Greetings. It's me, Chris Denson. Welcome, everybody, to another installment of Innovation Crush. Uh, I am your gracious host, as I've said many times before. Um, in case you're tuning in for the first time ever, this show covers all things uh, creativity, ideas, and business. So um, today, we're going to keep the ball rolling with a, a, a very uh, fun and enlightened guest, uh, Ari Popper. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> and he's very literal. Um, how, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> great. I'm doing great. Yeah. Uh, so uh, for starters, I would love, because I'm horrible at introductions, um, if you could give us the 60-second version of who Ari Popper is. Sure, yeah. Uh, where do you want me to start? <laughs> you can be as deep and philosophical as you feel, or you can be as like resume-driven yeah. as you as you will. No, well, we'll get into either. We'll, we'll explore both. Sure, yeah. Well, I'm... I, um, I am the founder and CEO of a company called SciFutures. And what we do is we use science fiction prototyping to help our clients imagine where they could be and then we build it. Um, but my background is originally South African, via Australia, and then to the US, where I've been here about 20 years. It's a very roundabout uh, path. Uh -huh. uh, where, where were you escaping? Uh, they're still <laughs> trying to find me. I don't think they got me. <laughs> well, you got them here now, folks. Yeah. Uh, am I an accomplice to anything? I don't yes, want to be. Yes, you are. Yeah. Uh, Too late. <laughs> damn it. Uh, not again. Yeah. So when you say clients, what do you, like? Who are they? Yeah, we got some really great clients. You know, Fortune 100 clients. You know, like Hershey and Visa and Crayola and. Uh, you know, General Mills. So what is the future of, of crayons? Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I mean, that's such an interesting combination of services, right? Like you're looking at the science fiction future, but the science real version of science fiction. Um, how do you like walk that line, right? What are you? What are the things that inspire you, and like how do you take that to your clients and create stuff? Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, we live in such amazing times. You know, like science fact really is sci-fi. And the big problem with organizations is they don't realize that. They don't realize that they need to have these sci-fi-like, extremely disruptive, um, interesting visions of where innovation could be because you can actually build something that approximates it or gets a lot closer to, um, to that. So, yeah, the whole, our whole process is about using storytelling and sci-fi um, in an explicit way to help our clients get a much better sense of where they could be and then to build their future. So, you know science fiction as an entertainment genre does it but it does it implicitly you know it does it you go oh wow that's cool it would be great to live in that world maybe right. maybe one day we'll, we'll live in that right whereas you know we're trying to do it explicitly so we can help organizations kind of get out of their own way so they can do that sort of cool stuff are your clients yeah. um i guess collectively is there one thing you see that people are like scared of right because everybody has some fear of things that they've seen in yeah. science fiction films that we're getting a little too close to, right? Yeah, well, I think I think what they're scared of is um, being disrupted out of existence, you know? Um, and you're seeing that happen more and more in d lots of different categories and just complete blurring of boundaries of categories. You know, you have an Xbox One, which used to be a gaming console, then it became a media uh, console, and now it's probably an internet of things, you know, home, yes. home console. Um, so everyone's afraid of, of the change and what our process does is it helps them get a much better sense of where their brands should be in the next you know five to ten years using the storytelling approach that's great so yeah. it, from a business challenge standpoint for you 
It's like this sounds like <laughs> like you know it sounds like so blue sky like yeah. what is uh, what's the pitch process right when you meet yeah. somebody for the first time and you're like well we're gonna watch a bunch of movies and yeah. then uh, <laughs> and take those screenshots to be storyboards for your next project yeah you know it is I mean on the face of it just superficially it does sound a little crazy you know science fiction is it's a bit of a double edged sword you know at, to your point what you're implying is on the one hand it's you know crazy out there sci fi but on the other hand um, storytelling um, and science fiction or science fiction prototyping based in science fact is actually a really amazing way to help businesses um, get comfortable with emerging technologies right? because it puts it into context, it makes it human, it makes it real. And it also gives them a good sense of how they could exist in more disruptive ecosystems. You know, let's say augmented reality is ubiquitous or... Um, you know, AI assistants are ubiquitous, which is coming. Right. Um, you know, how should we be doing business in those environments? And then our process is about working backwards from there. Um, so saying, okay, if that's our future, what should we be doing today? Who should we be talking to? What kind of proof of concept should we be creating that will start to approximate that world? And what's happening as our clients do that is they're accelerating their innovation from a linear path into more of this interesting exponential path. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's because I, you know I know we kind of play in similar. Like you're way you know ahead of me on this, but yeah. um, convincing a client to because it's one thing to, to think about it yeah. and to go like, hey, here's our proposal and what we think. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah. See you later, Ari. Yeah. Like, do you, how do you convert them to action? Yeah, right? yeah. It's a great question, and I think there's a bit of self selection that goes on. So right. some some clients will never work with us and that's okay you know maybe they're not ready for us or they don't understand it um but you know I, to be honest chris i've been amazed at the you know the great caliber of clients we've had and i think when i went into this business um about four years ago i thought it would be a hard sell i thought i would have the most trouble explaining to people that they need to accelerate their innovation that they need to be sci-fi like right. in order to be relevant and actually that hasn't been the case I think CEOs are lying awake at night, worried, and thinking, how do we accelerate our innovation? How do we become more innovative? So that wasn't the problem. Um, really, what it was about is, well, what are we going to get out of this? What tangible something yeah. are we going to get out of working with you guys? What's my ROI? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, what are we getting for it's it? It's very bottom Like, it's funny because yeah. it's, it's such a bottom line, you know, yeah. basis and the future may not be as clear cut as, like, a bottom line thing. So there's definitely that balance of... We want you to think open and like have fun in this process, yeah. but but they also want you to go like, all right, but you know, how yeah. much money is this investment going to make me? That's right, and you know, and it, it's a little bit of um, a trade-off, right? So you're going to get learning, you're going to get a, a better understanding of emerging technology, you're going to get some great ideas, and then hopefully you're going to prototype them. Um, some of them are going to fail completely. Most of them, in fact, are going to fail. But you might get one or two, like with Lowe's, for example, where we, you know, we had a really profound disruption that uh, that we helped them invent. The hollow deck. Uh, the, the the hollow room. Yeah. Hollow room. <laughs> yes. Well, based on yeah the hollow deck. That's right. Can you it, can it, you talk about that a little bit I for can, people who yeah. may not know? Because uh, I've I've actually done it. Oh, uh, excellent. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. And I did the. Well, I, well keep going. I'm, you I'm, did the hollow room. It's your, you're you're the guest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to hear about that, Chris. So tell me about not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my uh, mom was horrible to me. <laughs> so um, yeah, Lowe's came to us a few years ago, and um, you know they were. What was interesting was a consumer insight, the business problem that they had was that if you have you ever done a renovation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know it's. Um, 
there's some serious barriers to, to doing it successfully. The first one is the show. The original show was actually called Renovation Crush. <laughs> it was like all construction. Nice. It yeah. lasted two episodes and then we okay. revamped. Yeah. Well, well, um, you'll know from your renovation experience is is that it's very hard for people to visualize what a completed project would be, and the other problem is it's very hard for people to tell their partner what they like because they're not quite sure themselves and they might have so it creates a lot of tension creates a lot of um, problems and actually Lowe's quantified that and it's literally worth billions of dollars um, in failed or in no renovation indecision right indecision yeah, yeah. and um, so the insight was if there was a way to um, help customers imagine what a completed project could be like um, you know make all the mistakes in a simulator and kind of get aligned and then based upon um, perfecting it in a simulator, they'll then be able to do the real thing in their home. So right. that, that was the that was the insight. And so um, yeah, we work, went through a process with sci-fi writers and we created this narrative, which, as you said, um, suggested some kind of holodeck. And then the clients who are Lowe's a very traditional company, right. you know, run by very conservative Get people. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> They, they read the stories and they were little comic books and um, they said, wow, you know, now we get it. Well, now we know what augmented reality is. So your, yeah. part of your pitch process was yeah. the, a comic book. Yeah, and it depends on the clients. We do movies, we do other types of storytelling formats depending on what they need. Right. Um, but this particular one was a comic book and literally in the boardroom, they handed around this comic book and it was a story about a couple in the future renovating their home using a hollow room. And uh, they were like, Holy shit, that's freaking amazing! We get augmented reality now. We get virtual reality. Can right. we can we do that? And Did that, you bring Lavar Burton to the pitch? <laughs> no, that no, would have been cool. <laughs> no, Jordy LaForge. Uh, that's a shame. <laughs> that, that would have that would have sold it. Um, actually, he has a funny story for you. So uh, my client was flying back from uh, Brazil on the corporate jet, and I was coming in the next morning to pitch, and he's a CEO of International at Lowe's, and uh, my client said, "Let's watch some sci-fi because you know, they have TVs on the on the on the movies on the plane." And, right. And the CEO was like, "I hate sci-fi," and I was, I was, and he was like, "Oh God, tomorrow's gonna be a disaster." <laughs> oh wait, tomorrow? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you, this is the idea that you went in with, or at least let's say the one that won, right? right. That's right. There were so, a few other. Ideas. So I'm curious, yeah. yeah, what like what in that particular instance? Yeah. What were some other things you were like, ah, oh, maybe we do? You know, what, what were the other ones? Yeah, the graveyard of um, sci-fi ideas. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of those. Um, there were a few that used more were I think more literal. So um, using a cell phone to generate like a holographic image, either more literal or just too too far out there. Right. Um, those are the ones that I can remember as a little while ago. But um, yeah, the holo the holodeck just. Well, the holoroom just seemed right. Yeah. Um, what's been very interesting in the sci-fi prototyping process is that when we started the process, um, AR and VR was early, so Oculus was still on Kickstarter. Actually, it was just, yeah. you know, just getting that kind of momentum. Palmer wasn't so lucky at this point. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you know, we tried to get in with them, but they were just, you know, too busy. But. Um, when we prototyped the Hollow Room, we went through three different augmented reality companies in about 18 months because the technology um, increased so quickly and changed so quickly that we literally had to pivot um, three wow. times. And it, that was stressful, but you know it ended up with a great product. But um, that's that, and now I mean, VR and AR is so um, you know there's so much money getting poured into it, and it's happened you know basically three four years. Yeah. yeah. No, and I, I mean. Uh, 
What's that hurdle like for you guys? Because I know, especially when you're creating the future today, and the future is constantly creating itself. Right? How do you map back to you know what's happening in reality and where you want to go in the first place? And like, what if you're? In the, I could imagine a scenario where you're in the middle of making a hollow room, and and then you read a trade, and like somebody's like, such and such has a hollow room. <laughs> you're like Chuck E. Cheese now has a. <laughs> you're like what? No. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's hap- it's happens to us all the time. Right. So we're doing a big. Well, we've been waiting to do a big project for a big beverage company. And um, we've been sitting on this about 18 months. And they've been, they haven't been able to get the shit together internally. Right. Uh, for whatever reason, a great client. But, um, now, what company is this? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> beverage company. And, uh, and uh, a few weeks ago, we read that you know, the concept that we wanted to build him 18 months ago was out in the market. And you right. know, we're all disappointed. The client was disappointed. But that's the nature of the times we live in. Um, so you as an individual, like how did you yeah. get, like are you a sci-fi geek yourself? Like what does it take to make this happen? Or are you just like, <laughs> I got an idea. I would look at movie, movies. Yeah, and, I, am, and, I am a sci-fi geek. So what started- By the way, you know what I pulled up the other day? Yeah. I was saying, I was joking about a trip to Australia and I said, yeah. oh, what if, the, because of the ozone layer and how close we are to the sun, like what if we pitched the idea of swimsuits being like this armored, you know, kind of yeah, <laughs> like a whole thing. And I pulled up a picture of the robot that was on Gilligan's Island. Ah. Uh, remember that? Yeah, I do. See? Yeah, I do. Back to you. Yeah. Um, what was the question? <laughs> uh, um, how does it work? Yes. Yeah. 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 So um, the idea is that, well, well how did No, I where get, did you come from? Like, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Where are you, where are you so the sci-fi? Like game? all crazy ideas um they they're born out of midlife crises right um so i was i was president of a market research company and i was tired of the industry and i, yeah, I want to do something different what do market research companies really do <laughs> that's for your next guest okay. <laughs> okay um so i just went back to writing sci-fi because i love sci-fi and i uh, and i did some writing courses just right to, you know i'm very amateur but it's cool as a hobby like as a no, total okay hobby. no published works Noth- or, okay. nothing published trust me um, and literally just during class one day I just had an epiphany like legit I was like you know if we apply this it could be really cool I think there's something here so you weren't I, like a, this wasn't like a college age to, to th- I mean four years ago you start this company yeah and if, I'm not, if, if you could see a picture of me you, 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 I mean you're handsome you're fellow I, I'm, <laughs> but I'm not I'm, college though I'm jealous <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah no like because yeah. I, I, just to paint the picture like yeah. this wasn't like you were no. 19, 20 like oh no, this is great this is you know five, five six years ago Five years ago, um, there was epiphany, and the idea was, you know, yeah, sci-fi is very good at building worlds and futures, um, grounded in science fact. You know, hard sci-fi in particular. Um, maybe there's something here that we can do for our corporate clients. Right. And you know, I came home and told my wife, I have an idea what my next career is going to be, and she's like, "You're crazy. <laughs> You're nuts." And I want like, a divorce. <laughs> yeah, no. She, my wife's awesome. She's like, "You know what? It's." Crazy enough to work. And I was like, let's give it a go. So I started wow. the company. But what happened was very early in the process, um, I realized that we work very successful in generating these visions of where these companies could be. Right. So much so that they needed to do something about it. They were like, you know, all dressed up for the for the date, uh, you know, and like all ready to party and then we left. Right. And it was like, okay, now we need to help them build something. We need it. And that wasn't the orig- in part of the original business plan. The original business plan was more just you know, a plant the seed of, plant of the seed, thought, give, give inspire them, them. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then I met my partner, Scott Tuscan, um, who is a technology a specialist in emerging technologies, a fabricator, he's built labs, um, real kind of visionary on the technology side. And so um, it was a great partnership because 
together we could get the visions, tell the story, but then he would be able to go out and actually fabricate, you know, crazy sci-fi like stuff, prototype. Right. Um, and then the company really kind of kicked on. Um, what, why were you so unsatisfied as a, as oh. a researcher? Do you want me to get in all of that? Yeah, no, just like, well, you oh, know, I feel like yeah. there's a, we, we, everyone yeah. hits this transitional point, right? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. I could keep doing this yeah. and I'm not, I don't feel fulfilled. And, right. and, and not everybody recognizes or gives, you know, uh, acknowledgement to that feeling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think the insight for me was that um, I, I was successful in my career. I, you know, I was a president of a market research company. I built, built the U.S. division from the ground up, you know, to four offices. We were making money. We we're doing well. Um, but it was, I felt like, um, you know, I'm looking at the studio guy, you know, apologies, but I felt like, you know, when problems came up, it was, I would just go to the board, you know, the audio board, and I would just turn that knob and turn that knob, you know, right. just kind of senior level management stuff, you know, where it was easy for me to kind of keep the ship sailing, you know, I wasn't challenged. Um, and, and the industry itself, I just felt, you know, I felt like there had to be more than just providing insights. It wasn't right. enough for me. Um, but I had no freaking clue what I wanted to do. And when you get to that point, I don't know if anyone's been through that, you know, who's listening, you can't lie to yourself. You can't pretend that the next thing you're going to do is make you happy. You've got to be very honest right. um, because otherwise you're going to end up exactly where you were. Very true. And that's a tough process. You've got to work through that and you've got to um, see the part of yourself that's, um, you know, that's maybe doing something for an ego sense or doing something because you – you think you might want it or someone else might want you to want it. Right. And that took me. It's a me. lot of filtering. It's it, a lot it's of because there's voices and you're unlearning everything that got you to be where you were at that point. In time. Exactly. And you've got to trust yourself. You've got, to, you've got to have faith that your passion or what you deep down honestly believe in um, is right for you. And that's scary if you're not used to that. Um, right. So, um, you know, got to take some risks. So, yeah. So that's, that's, that's why I left. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so you know, when you when you when I look at your your website and especially you click on the team yeah. page and like everyone's kind of decked out in a superhero and there's avatars and you know animation an O to your comic book if you will yeah um, but I love this idea of superpowers in the workplace right like yeah. you know it's a little bit of poeticism but everyone has a superpower uh, what's yours um, well I think I think um, when I'm when I'm on form and in my bliss, you know, in my flow. Um, I think it's the ability to inspire folks to really take risks and do something interesting and profound. I think I think that is my superpower. Um, you know, the rest of the team has to figure out how to make it happen. They hate me for <laughs> <Right>. that. <laughs> they like, damn it. Like, uh, he sold a what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think that's what makes our team really special. You know, in fact, my colleague was saying to me yesterday, we're, we're at San Francisco to client, and we, there were four of us in the room, four from my team, and we all have very different superpowers. And it's this lovely kind of, um, you know, I think it's quite rare in business. I know, Chris, if, you, if you've had that amazing, you know, combination of different skills, oh, yeah. it, it's just so it, powerful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, there's also, I mean, there's also like, and I'm curious, this especially yeah. as an entrepreneur, yeah. the patience it takes to make that team the right team, right? Yeah. Because... Somebody may have the right skill sets on paper. It may come from a great recommendation. And, like, there's sometimes there's – I've just heard some research about there's the similar nerve endings that are in the brain that exist in the gut. That's right. Like, literally in your stomach. And that's why you, that gut feeling is actually, like, a neurological thing. Yeah. But – 
you know, there's that that happens when you like are interviewing or yeah. like courting a potential team member. So, yeah. what, what's that process like about identifying the right, you know, superpowers, superheroes to join? You know, we we are so crap at recruiting, and and, and it's it's something that I've always struggled right. to do well because I'm such a intuitive guy and like I go by gut anyway and I like I like people so if someone's <laughs> like nice in the interview I'm like you're hired and you know like and I've, it's come to bite me a couple of times but um, he but, hired who? <laughs> yeah why? <laughs> nice guy um, no I think I think um, as an entrepreneur you need to use the skills that you have in your team and, and, and so it's a, it's, I take your question and I just twist it a little is okay we have the skill set maybe we should be thinking about using it in this way or that way. And I think we've been able to do that quite well. So rather than forcing you know, your team into a paradigm, it's saying, okay, we're all creative, we're all smart, we've right. all been in business a long time. What could we collectively do that be really powerful? And I think we've been quite good at that. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was the most difficult superpower to find? Um, I think folks who, well, we're struggling to find um, and we spoke, you know, creative technologists. So right. folks who are, who are just as comfortable with Arduinos and, and tinkering and emerging technology as they are talking to clients and, you know, thinking about strategy and being a little bit personable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, th the, those are tough to find. Well, it's, yeah. um, we had this guy named Walter O'Brien on the show who's yeah. like uh, the, the series Scorpion on CBS is yeah. based on his real life. So he's a you know, genius, has worked with the government, and, and he started this company, Scorpion, and they basically recruit geniuses. And one thing that's really interesting about that is he said that um, most geniuses, if they're not you know, discovered as a genius, like commit suicide by, huh. I think it's age 15 or 17. Is that right? Huh? Yeah, there's like a, there's a statistic behind it because they're just social outcasts because yeah. they just don't relate to the world and, and they think there's just something wrong with them. Um, but, he, you know, he created this thing and, it, and what he talks about is there's, a, you know, IQ and then there's EQ. Like there's an yeah. emotional quotient that comes with a creative technologist or like that you hope you get with that, you know, that individual that can like be fun and personable and not offensive and yep. impatient and also like yeah. can do the science behind it all. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, I mean, it, it's, you know, you, you're familiar with this, I'm starting to hate the term now, but the unicorn. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. They're a unicorn, they're rare. Yeah. They, they can talk to people and they're brilliant, you know, with technology and, and they, are, they are hard to find. Well, I talked to one company, that yeah. they, uh, they mentioned like they'll, they will interview 50 people for every job. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a lot of HR yeah. work. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what's, what's on your wish list, right? Like if, you know, as far as the clients that you're working with, is yeah. there a particular outside of the beverage, uh, guys yeah. who can't get the shit together? <laughs> I hope they don't hear this. I hope so too. <laughs> They'll agree and, and kind of shrug that and like, oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but like, is, yeah. is there like that one thing that you're paying attention to in a technology category or future category that you're like, oh man, I want to do X. Yeah, not one, I mean, there's a ton. So part of what we do is we look at all the emerging tech, you know, things like Internet of Things and VR and AR and, and sensors and printed electronics and 3D printing. And, and what's powerful is that they don't exist on their own. When you when you create these concentric circles of influence, mm -hmm. the whole ecosystem becomes incredibly powerful, right? So um, we're looking at all of that. And I think, I think companies today are underestimating 
the nature of the times that we live in and what they can actually achieve if they set their minds to it. So y- you and I were chatting a little bit earlier about biometrics right. and quantified self. I mean, and it's, it's very siloed right now. But when you take something like biometrics and you put it in a smart home, now the home knows how you feel. It knows yeah. what you're buying and eating, so it creates uh, you know, an improved algorithm about how to serve you based upon your biometrics. And it's that kind of stuff that, I th- that I'm so passionate about yeah. because I think um, you know, there's you just one plus one plus one equals 15. Um, right, you right. Know, it's not that hard. You just got to have that willingness to do it and experiment. And, that, and that's kind of what excites me. And occasionally we get these really brave clients who are like, yeah, you know, I think we kind of agree. And, yeah. and I want to go and do something like that and you can come up with really cool stuff. How much of the future, yeah. like at least when you're considering it, is functional versus yeah. like would you something you just touched on, like the the emotional or social state we'll be in? Because I, I think the way we connect and the way we operate and the things we care about and the things that move us are going to be different because of how we interact, right? Like the home may keep you in a better mood, which yeah. means, you know, productivity goes up, which means blah, like there's this domino effect. Like how much do you guys consider that piece of it alongside the, the functionality? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the power of the storytelling part, right? Is that it? it's not just technology. It's not a technology story. It's a story about people having real lives, real interactions. You know, we all still got to get up. We got to go to work. We got to make a living. We got to care for our children. We got to eat. So it's still those basic human needs, right. but technology is now providing a service within that context. And that's where um, the social side comes through very, very strongly. Um, so we've just finished a movie for um, a big CPG company um, for their IT department um, to basically sh- um, create this aspirational narrative of where the company could be based upon um, the ubiquity of these emerging technologies. So in other words, it's, it's, a, it's an inspirational piece. And, and their message is, is mostly related to improved quality of life, more family time, right. less stress, um, which is really interesting um, because the bene- they, they're smart enough to understand that the benefit of technology is, is not technology for technology's sake. It's t- exactly as you said. It's to right. have better lives and better interactions with people and you know, more human experience. So pretty interesting. I think the other thing is um, we're not trying to predict the future and we're not trying to um, um, anticipate. We're not. So there's no Miss Cleo that works on you. <laughs> no, there's no Miss Cleo. <laughs> but, you know, really what we're trying to do is, is two things. Disorient our clients. So they, so they, because the world is disorienting right now. Right. Like really disorienting them. Get them off their business plans. Get them off their business models. And then the values in the reorienting. So now it's like, okay, so what do we need to look towards? What do we need to point towards that gets us on that preferred future path? And right. that, that's where we, that's what we do. Now, right. you know, yeah. you think about timelines and things like that, right? Yeah. When, because <laughs> I understand like there's probably a portfolio of things you you do and then there's like the, you know, the segmented things. Yeah. So if someone were to take the full Sci Futures, like platinum program, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like what are, what kind yeah. of time frame are we talking about, yeah. right? Like a, yeah, it's a great question. I mean, typically, um, so our ideal projects are ones where um, we'll go through three phases, um, and it could take it could take you know over a year, maybe even longer, depending on the prototype. Right. But the first phase is just getting our clients up to speed. We call it we call it grounding. So you know you're aware of all these emerging technologies, um, not only in your industry but peripheral industries because right. they they're disrupting everyone. Um, because it's grounding, and then it's the disorienting. There we actually work with science fiction writers, with our clients in a workshop environment, and we co-create 
their preferred futures. We actually do utopian futures and we do dystopian futures because you need to be, oftentimes the client's not conscious of the barriers that are in their way. So right. by doing that, they kind of reveal all this barriers and obstacles that are stopping them from getting where hmm. they need to be. And actually the dystopia can be more useful than the utopia. And then working, we have 100 professional sci-fi writers that write exclusively for us. Um, wow. Uh, it's really awesome. And we give them a brief. And we say, you know, Client X is trying to achieve this. I once gave a writer my briefs, but <laughs> um, it, was a, it didn't turn out the way I thought it would. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. And, sorry, you give the writers a brief. Yeah, uh, sorry. I, sometimes I, I have to insert a really yeah, horrible joke. I was but, imagining your underwear, and I kind of yes. got a little bit lost. Oh, well, I'm not wearing any, so <laughs> okay. oh, there we to go. imagine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so they'll write, they'll write um, vignettes. I'm using their imagination, grounded under NDI, of course, right. grounded in the client strategy, and then we'll use that as an idea generating mechanism to create a preferred future strategy for the client. So that's phase one: grounding, then disorienting, which is the new story, and then the reorienting is actually prototyping. So now that we've got the story, the client buys into it. It's really hard, by the way, to get them to really agree on that story because they've got to make commitments. Right. They've got to agree what they're going to stop doing which is sometimes harder than agreeing what they have to start doing. Um, anyway, we get through that phase, and now it's about, okay, let's stop building stuff. Let's stop building proof of concepts. Works like concepts, right. looks like concepts. Experiential spaces um, where they can bring all their employees into this futuristic environment and say, guys, this is the living room of the future according to company X. Right. Wow, that's how it's gonna be. And you, know, you get that visceral connection with it. Um, and that's our ideal process. And it can take, you know, I'd say six to eight to ten months or many, many years. And hopefully, um, you know. So this is a true business strategy. Because, uh, you yeah. know, sometimes when companies are, are like yours are helping organizations define the future, it's not about the survival or creating a legacy. It's about like a marketing moment. like Or, you know, right. or do you guys even incorporate that like – what is the future now? How can we create a marketing moment based on how we see the future? Yeah, not really. No, yeah, you're right. It's more, it's more long-term strategy. So, you know, agencies like, like yours, yep. you know, they, they love this because that's great, interesting content that can build campaigns on and, um, you know, and really activate it now. But, no, we're more interested in this, yeah, as you said, strategy and disruptive innovation. Um, that, uh, no, this is all pretty awesome. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what did – little Ari Popper in South Africa, yeah. you know, like yeah. want, like how did you even get here? Not not logistically, but yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't picture I swam, a, I swam. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long way. Backstroke? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I was, um, I was a bit of a sci-fi guy when I grew up, you know. I think growing up in South Africa, you know, you, you need to, reality was pretty. Shout out to Neil Blomkamp. Yeah, hey, what's up, Neil? <laughs> Doing well. Um, you know, I think for me, sci-fi was an escape. You know, it was a way for me to get out of the realities around me, um, which were, you know, pretty, pretty scary. Right. Um, so, you know, but, I, you know, it's just something I always loved. And I think for me, the thrill of sci-fi is, and I don't know if you're a sci-fi fan. It's, it's Ish. A, yeah. When they're good. Yeah, no, no, That's no. That's right. I always <laughs> like to say, there's nothing better than great sci-fi and there's nothing worse than bad sci-fi. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. Well, actually, bad sci-fi is entertaining for a whole, like if you watch the sci-fi yeah. channel, like, yeah. a, like, a like really, really, really bad sci-fi is yes. very entertaining. Sharktopus. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> you guys haven't made one of those yet. Just no, like. no. <laughs> Maybe one day. I'm sure Scott, my partner, will uh, start working on that. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think the thrill for me is um, 
is when you're in a world that's fully believable and plausible. Um, so there's no, um, you're completely suspended your disbelief successfully throughout the entire, you know, whether it's a book, you know, a novel or a short story or a movie that you haven't gone, nah, that couldn't happen. Nah, right. nah, that's, that's crap. If you can keep that, the entire piece, then it's, it's a magical experience because the writer's been able to really pull you in and have you connect with it in a way that's human and real and freaking amazing. And I think people who love sci-fi, they, it's kind of almost addictive, that feeling. Well, it's also it's a yeah. conversion mechanism, right? Like, right? like, for instance, you guys are going to be doing a talk at Create Tech, yes. which is the forays, you know, big event and like the creativity of technology and vice versa. That's right. Um, but when you are when you give a talk about your work, yeah. right, or you, you know, aside, aside of a guided one like the show, yeah. um, you, you know, what, what, are you, what are you walking people through? Like, what are you, you know, if you could give the verbal, you know, kind of visual presentation of like what people might see at a... Ari Popper talk at an event like that. Yeah, I mean, I think what we want to do is three things. First thing is is um, just give them a quick immersion into into how amazing the times are that we live in. You know, when you have companies like Instagram bought for a billion dollars, it was a nineteen month old company, yeah. it's worth a billion dollars. You know, and you have companies like WhatsApp, they have, they had fifty five employees and they were sixteen billion dollars. <laughs> you know, just crazy shit like that's right. happening. So we need to remind people: okay, get out of your own myopic view. There's some crazy stuff. We live in exponential times. Um, so that's part of it. The second part of it is just um, if you've ever worked in innovation in big companies, you'll know that it's very hard to do something truly innovative. And that's because the organization is hardwired for efficiency. It's hardwired to get all the inefficiency out of the system. We're producing widgets, and we've got to reduce costs, and we've got to reduce margins, and the only way to do that is to drill, 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 drill down. Yep. And now you're saying you've got to be totally inefficient. You've yeah. got to basically do stuff that's never been done and make lots of mistakes. So it's very hard. The other thing you'll, you'll know and if, if you've ever worked in innovation in big companies is that as soon as you, as soon as you do that, um, the white blood cells come out in the organization and they attack you. Um, so you need new tools and techniques to be able to overcome these barriers within big companies like Lowe's and Hershey and you know, other clients that right. we work with. And the way to do that is through creating a shared narrative that everyone can read and understand. So that when the white blood cells come out and that when the organization starts to default to its muscle memory, yeah. you can say, okay, read the, look at this video or read this comic book. Let's remind ourselves why this is important. Let's remind ourselves why we need to do this. And it's a much better way than a PowerPoint presentation, right? Where yeah. you're like, slide seven shows that augmented reality will be 67% you know, penetration. But, and people, right. people don't. Nobody responds to that. No, like, it's just numbers. It's yeah. numbers on a page. So, you, so we, I think what's <coughs> unique is the creative process, the, the sci-fi projecting process, um, helps shortcut some of the obstacles and barriers that will happen every time you're trying to do something really yeah. disruptive. Um, so, so that's the second part of the presentation. It's like we live in crazy times. Here's some of the barriers that we have. Here are some ways to get over it. And then some case studies. So basically let's look at you know, two or three examples that we can share. Right. Um, of where this has been successful. Yeah. Um, speaking of what you can yeah. and cannot share, yeah, like do you, I mean, I would imagine I, I mean, you would have clients like the military or yeah. you know government organizations and different, uh, yeah. maybe even museums, like or you know, uh, yeah, uh, do you? Yeah, <laughs> and if so, like, yeah, are yeah, okay? That's I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Is, is there a you know? I I think a, well, I'll, I'll back up. Yeah. 
because I think about things that go away as I was talking about museums and like I was just looking at statistics of attendance going down and how people like you want to continue to gauge with centuries old art like we have and the museums are still, still trying to figure that kind of thing out. Yeah. Are there things that you're seeing that are going away that you, you know, you hope you can either save or you will or you will definitely miss because we can't save it? Yeah, you know, that's that's a great question. I, I haven't really thought of it that way. Um, you know, I think I think what you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of, my philosophy is that things will evolve as they should. Um, but you, what you need, ideally, is a preferred strategy or a preferred future so that it doesn't happen to you by accident, that you can have a hand in creating it. Right. So, you know, I, I'm not the type of guy who like, who's like, um, a great example is as we're becoming cyborgs, and we are cyborgs, you know, we all have our devices, we're holding them all the time, um, you know, and you look around at any public event in a restaurant on the subway oh, yeah. everyone is freaking looking down at their little device so we are cyborgs right so the train phantom vibrations which is something i learned about oh recently. yeah it's so like, what's that it's like what you yeah. just you your bot like if you keep your phone in your pocket got it you're you sometimes you go like oh is my phone ring and you're yeah. like your phone's not so even in your it. pocket exactly right totally happens to us all the time uh, actually a good good one of that that i'm experiencing now is i have the xbox one that i can talk to so I, and I use the voice UI a lot. Mm, okay. Uh, and my wife's like, "What? Oh, he's talking to the TV." Again. <laughs> Xbox, give me a beer. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. You should just, you should, I'm just marry somebody named Xbox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Xbox Channel yeah. Seven. Yeah, exactly. Why do you um, talk to me? Like so, that? so it sounds like you have it too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So, so have you done? Have you have you um, spoken to dumb TVs yet? No. In, so that's I've done that. I've, like, oh. I've been in a hotel or at work, and I'm like. You know, Xbox, oh, damn it, it's a dumb TV. I uh, did do that as a practical joke to a friend recently. Oh, uh, yeah? He was like, hey, anybody not turn the you know the channel on this TV? Because he couldn't find a remote. And I was yeah. like, just say football. And he was like, football. And like it was just nothing happened. I was pretty much a jerk on that one. Yeah. But it was funny. Yeah, but, um, you know, things are evolving. So we got we to get with it. Right. Okay. But um, we can't accept this emerging future passively i don't think i think um what a sci-fi prototype or or a preferred um, future narrative of where you could be is important because then at least you can have a bit of a hand and you know i'm caveating you can't totally create that preferred future, right. but at least a bit of a hand in shaping your destiny and if it's positive and if it's uplifting and if it's inspirational you'll have a much better chance of getting towards you know, a better sense, a better future than if you yeah. just, you know, evolve and we all become cyborgs and brains in a vat. Well, I think, I think yeah. you guys do a great job because, you know, I think the idea of the future, especially as we see it now, like if you were talking about, if this were the, you know, 1985, like it'd be, it might be a little bit easier to chart a, you know, a, a path. Yeah. But because like the future is happening now so quickly, yeah. I think it's over. It's an overwhelming task for. I'm gonna go back to the museum example, like yeah. the, you know, the executive director of MoMA, right? To yeah. go like, uh, okay, because is it social media? Is it VR? Yeah. Is it you know, hollow rooms? It like what? It and how do I take it all in and produce something? So I love the fact that you guys are like taking everything that's out there, taking their what their brand stands for today, and how do you pro prolong that legacy? Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and the museums one's a good one. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe people aren't visiting museums as much as they used to, but as content in museums is becoming digitized, and I think the Smithsonian are they're creating three D models of every single artifact that they have, which right. is incredible. Yeah, 
So now, I mean, you can you can visit the virtual Smithsonian no matter where you are anywhere. But it's the same though. Like this, that's what I that's why I worry. Like yeah. I, there's nothing like going up and feeling the texture no, of something right. in its original form. Yeah. Versus like so the uh, the Metropolitan uh, Museum of Arts has this really cool thing where they take hip hop lyrics and um, and dump them into the Genius API, the, the you know the uh, music listening thing. Yeah. Um, and as the songs play, you're served up images that are in the in, in the Mets like database of uh, uh, art. That's cool. So it's that's like awesome. you know if you're saying, talking about gods and kings yeah. or like you know this woman betrayed me or whatever it is, yeah. like you're being served images up, that's which cool. is awesome. And maybe I will want to go set foot in the museum. Yeah. Um, or am I like oh that's a cool picture? Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's not just a picture. It's like you know, yeah. a three hundred year old painting by Picasso. I don't know. Picasso's yeah. not three hundred years old, but you know what I'm saying. Um, it's 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 interesting to, to like to think about what our interactions with you know tangible and physical things will be. Yeah, you know, I think it's a it's a great debate, and yeah. there's no easy answer to that. I think it's going to be different. Is it better or worse? I don't know. You know, things change. You know, yeah. and it's. It's just it's just the way it is. Yeah, maybe we're gonna lose some things that are, as you say, visiting visiting a museum and seeing something tangible is is special. But you know, we're gaining other things. And I'm gonna start crying. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so the show is called Innovation Crush. You've you've seen a lot in you know in your in your four or five years under this particular banner. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you were curious about it all you know all your life. Um, and you're always looking out to what's next. So is there something that you see that you're currently crushing on? You know, something that you may have touched on already or something that you're like, oh my gosh, that's ama- amazing, you know? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, very, um, I'm very intrigued and hopeful about the promise of AI um, in the home. So this idea of smart homes, like that are truly smart, that can nudge us towards better buying decisions and better behavior because they understand our biometrics, if we allow them to, and right. privacy issues aside. And there's always a shadow to everything, right? Um, but my, my feeling is that once the IoT economy really kicks off, the Internet of Things economy really mm-hmm. kicks off, and once AI gets sophisticated enough to analyze all that big data that's generated, including biometrics and quantify itself, we're gonna get these very interesting um, sp- computer-aided or AI-aided um, curated li- life experiences. And I think that the human condition could improve radically as a result of it. Yeah. Um, so so I'm, I'm hopeful about that. Um, and I know there's, there's a lot of smart people working hard to make that a reality. From a brand and marketing point of view, I think it's important for companies and our clients to be thinking about these new ecosystems, these new marketplaces, and how they should be activating at that level. So, you know, if your home is smart and it's reordering for itself, um, you know, all the traditional touch points um, right. are gone. And so, you know, what competencies do they need to start thinking about? Um, what we like about it too is, is you can, as the consumer, you can set or calibrate your home AI to nudge you towards certain buying behaviors or decisions. So maybe you stop buying a little bit less soda and you buy, stop buying a little bit more water. Right. You know, maybe you, you, you know where I'm it going. It sets the increment for you. Exactly. But, yeah. And then on a purely government level or a social level, um, let's imagine you have whole neighborhoods that are smart and connected. They're providing data about um, 
behavior in each household. But on an aggregate level, it, it presents this incredible amount of insight about communities, about how they function, about you know what's working, what isn't working. Who's using up all the water in LA? <laughs> exactly. Who took that long shower? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, again, there are massive privacy issues and freedom issues related yes. to it. Uh, you know, and we're seeing we're dealing with that a lot. Well, right it's all like yeah. I, you know, I, yeah. I feel like you kind of touched on this earlier, like yeah. the whole cyborg, you know, occurrence and yeah. the the fact that we are opting in to a lot of things because we realize the convenience advantage, right? Exactly. Would you like your location data on? Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. you know, and you made the choice, and guess what? Waze will give you better directions now, like yeah. based on your driving style, not even just traffic, right? Like, yeah. oh, you, this guy always takes high streets, yeah. so. Yeah. We'll give him that, but if I don't, uh, you know, if, if I didn't opt into that, I don't get the experience, right? And right. it takes a couple of people to be, the, you know, sort of the testament to the possibility. Yeah, right? yeah, and, and I think they think it's a generational thing now, don't they? They think right. that younger people are much more open to, yeah, take it all. I don't care. I mean, it's going to make my life way easier. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I mean, the older gen, I'm, I'm still a little bit wary. Yeah, I'm yeah. almost like eh, let me let me read this. Part. There's <laughs> like there's some statistic about the the billions of hours worth of pi- privacy policies that, policies that have not yeah, been read. Yeah, yeah, because people yeah. just go they click the box yeah. right, and they, they nobody reads yeah. them. I've never read them. <laughs> exactly. Never read them. Yeah. And so there's like uh, there's I don't know what the number is, but yeah. it's, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um. You touched on something. Uh, yeah. Oh, so when you were talking about brands and like how they will play in that, because uh, you know the marketing conversation, I always look at as. Uh, Marketing as utility, right? If you better service me as an individual and not just give me a cool commercial, right? Um, then, then I'm willing to be more loyal to that brand. And I think as we move into more of IoT and like, mm-hmm. it's really about this quantified self experience. Mm-hmm. Then brands will be able to go like, okay, even if Snickers really satisfies and we know it's bad for, it, but like they have an opportunity to like. If it's time for your treat, right? Like yeah. if you're on a diet and you're working, the, your connected home is working you towards that goals. Like yeah. let Snickers be your reward. I just that's a great idea. Yeah. I'm writing this down. I'm yeah. Snickers, not even a client. See, <laughs> so you're generating IP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, show over. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, yeah. final, last but not least, sure. uh, complete this phrase for me. Okay. Innovation to me is, and get a little closer to the mic. We want, I want. I want this, this is going to be good from the from the future. Guy. It's going to come from the future. Innovation to me is science fiction. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that sums it up. Any uh, any last words? Uh, I no. mean, we're not going to execute you. <laughs> oh God! I, I walked into a trap. <laughs> trap trap door opens exactly. Uh, yeah. No uh, future for you. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's just a real pleasure to be here. Uh, I know you've you know got well over a hundred shows. I mean, in, you know, esteem company. Um, you know, it was a real pleasure to talk to you. I think you know for your listeners, we're living in amazing times. You know, what feels like science fiction to some extent really is science fact and yeah. you know if we have a positive uplifting inspirational narrative grounding science and emerging technologies of today we can create amazing things so it's a pretty exciting time to be alive well spoken well said thank you Chris um, thank you everybody this has been another installment of Innovation Crush and we will talk to you next time